HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This week on Meat and 3, we're getting semantic to understand the deeper meaning behind some of the foods we love. First, we'll look at the big debate happening around the word milk. Who the hell are you to tell me what is the name of my product and my landscape and everything we've cared about when, you know, you don't have anything invested in except to put out a little money to buy it? <laughs> it's our entire life. Then we get the lowdown on the language of cider. So the first thing that's really confusing about dryness is that it has nothing to do with how something actually feels in your mouth. And finally, we get our fill of tiki talk. You don't walk into a tiki bar and be like, oh yeah, this is what Polynesia is probably like. Like it's, it's supposed to be like fantasy and stuff. That's the hard part. It's so easy to do tiki bad, and that's where it gets a bad name. Tune into this week's episode of Meat and 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome to the show Life's a Banquet. The show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible! Starring your hosts, me, Brett and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet. One another? Consider it done. Welcome to Life's Banquet, the show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and Breton. Mm, hold on. Mm. Horrible. That was a sip of tequila. With your host, Breton Scott, and Zara Tangora. Cheers, Breton. We're drinking tequila. Yes. Uh, today was a mostly sober day until <laughs> right now. But there's a new movement, folks. I'm starting it right here on, Life, on Life's Banquet Podcast. Here, again. Yes. Repeated on Heritage Radio Network here in the heart of Brooklyn. And everybody does this. Okay. I've noticed the trends. I'm sure you've all paid attention there's we're talking about food and beverage in case you haven't figured that out by, by episode what are we at episode, uh like 300 or 400 episode 4476.2 <laughs> anyway uh yeah everybody is doing these extremes right i'm noticing this is like food trend watch 2019 and in america we like to say like oh my god whole 30 mm -hmm. uh, i'm not drinking for 30 days sober yep. october this and i'll never forget the one time the last time that i gave up alcohol 
Mm. Uh, which was when, when was I that was, about seventy years ago? When I was four years old, and <laughs> no, it was a few years back. And I had rented my room to an Airbnb guest, and he was French, and he was living in Montreal. And he came, and he well, said, uh, "I don't understand these Americans." He's like, "You go, and you do these extremes." He goes, "Have a glass of wine. Don't have seventy glasses of wine. Just relax." And I'm right. like, "You're absolutely right." And there, I poured myself a glass of wine, had fourteen. And got blackout drunk. So you're saying what I'm doing right now in the studio? I have, this is my third Reese's mini egg that I'm about to eat. That you're, would you're be stress eating. So folks, extreme. what we're talking about is trends, the keto trend, right? And so I'm starting a movement called mostly sober and conscious eating, right? Mm. So just have a slice of pizza because what I thought about, and I am the king of trends. And phases and let you know, like Breton's healthy lifestyle number 47. And I freak out for two months, I get really skinny, and then I and then I freak out and then I do the opposite. Yeah, so I've learned at this ripe age if you want to hear about it, you can uh, email us at life's a banquet show at gmail.com and we'll tell you all about it. Yeah, I'm doing this new, di- this new diet where every single thing I eat is just plain butter. Perfect. Oh, that's very cute. But I only eat it for one hour a day. So one hour a day, I eat like seven or eight sticks of butter plain. But also, uh, I eat it up my butt. I I take it rectally. Oh, okay. So intermittent rectal um, <laughs> rectal intermittent fasting. It's a new trend. <laughs> exactly. Brooklyn is. <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> tell me, Zara. Tell me about your week. How is it? Tell me what you cooked and drank and ate and oh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's an interesting question. I've been very busy with work, so most of my cooking has been in. The uh, mm-hmm. you know, recipe, t- testing. recipe testing. You're still going strong with that. Going strong. Um, haven't really cooked much at home. Today I went to the farmer's market and saw the first little signs of life popping up. Oh my God. So <laughs> a, that's exciting. Like a, a, a ramp sprout. Yes. <laughs> a picture of a, someone drew a picture of a ramp and fetal it was there. Ramp. Fetal ramps. <laughs> Everybody get your fetal ramp pasta. It's delicious. That's actually not. No, cool. but there's some nice greens and. Uh, greens are common. I bought some burpless cucumbers, which what the fuck is that, by the way? Uh, What's a burp? Does cucumbers normally make you burp? Well, no, they have the burps, like the little spikes on the outside. Those are called burps. Those are called burps. Got it. And so these ones are just grown without burps or someone removes the burps one by one. They're uh, hand removed upon <laughs> when they're very. <laughs> young and tender we just shave them off the ba- they never knew what happened to them what do they do with the burps do they get like sold somewhere and are we repurposing them for like dog they food or are something? Re- yes they are recycled as rabbit food <laughs> you haven't heard about this that's well, very strange I'm, i haven't so i haven't really been doing much eating or drinking yesterday i did stop by um henry public after i went to go see the aretha franklin movie which oh, i yes highly recommend it's about it's a footage of this like amazing concert she did in the early 70s this oh gospel God. concert it is I was pouring tears the entire time. I must see it. The music moved me. But after I went there, I went to Henry Public, and I had a whiskey sour. Mm, it's getting to be that time of year again. Perfect perfect spring drink. Do they use egg white in their sour mix? They they do. And yes. I have to tell you, I like egg white in a drink. I like what it does for it. But there's something about the smell that actually kind exactly. of turns me off. It's it has like, that... It's like good cum. When, when you put... Folks, if your children are listening, that's okay. It's a part of human nature. But okay, so if in a traditional sour mix, not the kind you go to the liquor store and you buy in that weird, what container does it even come in? <laughs> I don't know, but I just thought this tequila was water. Yeah, it happens um, a lot. It, can, it could the be. The sour mix in like a green, yeah. Some kind of container. Anyway, sour mix is usually composed of all, usually all the citruses, right? Lime, lemon, and orange are often just lemon and lime. I think that varies. Yeah. But then a traditional sour mix would have egg white which you shake, and that is sort of what gives it a beautiful, frothy texture, right? Mm-hmm. But it smells like cum. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, and some people are into that. A lot of people are into that. And what did you well, cook and, and drink? Any um, cum? No, I. You know what? I I did a lot of. I had to cater a party. How'd it go? Um, I didn't it, even talk to you about that. How'd it go? Yeah, it was really great. I made cool. a really beautiful vegetable platter. I used your. Okay, hold on. We have a little secret recipe right now. Interject recipe break. Burnt onion, French onion dip. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's actually onion dip a la tangora. Uh, and Zara, so I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I have to have some dips. I need something interesting. And I was, I was just going to make my regular French onion dip. And Zara says, hold on, I have the secret ingredient. She takes very thinly sliced onions, mm-hmm. yellow onions, right? Yep. And you fry them to a, a brown crisp. Yes. Right before they're burnt. Yes. Just right? shy of, of trash. Yeah, just shy of trash. Anyway, so you make the standard French onion dip. If you haven't done this before, it's really easy. I use whole milk yogurt, a little bit of sour cream, and mm. some good old-fashioned Hellman's mayonnaise. Hell the yeah. Best, right? That's exactly what I do. You mix it in. I used onion. It's really simple. Onion powder, and then you put those crispy onions in, and you got to let it sit. You got to let it sit. You got to let it sit, and you let it sit overnight, and it turns the most gorgeous caramel mocha brown the next day. Oh, I'm and so glad you liked it. It was a hit. I've been, so I had it. It's mad good. I have almost uh, three cups of it left. People really didn't, they ate enough of it. Yeah. Uh, but there was still, you know, it's very thick. Yes. And I've been <laughs> dipping carrots, raw peppers, cucumbers, every, th- a vegetable platter is really good with that dip. It is really good. I, so is your finger. I have, uh, <laughs> I have that dip on a menu that I'm doing right now and it's just chips and dip. So if the time is right, I'll tell you guys where so you folks, can get it. So folks, as your spring parties start happening, keep that recipe yeah. in the back of your, it's, it's just one notch and it's really not hard. It's so much better than going to the grocery store and buying, yeah. you know, classic or you know the, the the generic french onion dip yeah yeah and you can make like those onions that i gave you had been sitting on my shelf for like three months like they're shelf stable so you can just shelf. do a bunch at one time exactly i used the freezer technique so i made some stuff i copied zara ca- classic cater- you know well after we yeah. cater for a while you kind of know the best hits. you know it works grape stuffed grape leaves which are you know once you make a bunch of them they're pretty easy you can throw them in the freezer little strudels classic right awesome. i cut them thin you did I, yeah cut them thin huh. It was great, but I was like, oh, maybe they're a little too thin. Zara yeah. and I used to have an argument <laughs> where I would, when we would cater, I would cut her little strudels. Like, they were little round things, and you cut them and bake them. She's like, don't cut them thin. I was like, and I would do it anyway, just because yeah. I was like, I want them thin. Yeah. Anyway, but they do cook better when they're thick. They cook, but it should be a two-biter. Two-biter, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that was good. Catered. Great. I did some food styling for a, a prominent magazine, Children's Ooh. Food. Uh, we made ice cream, an ice cream sandwich cake. Oh, out of and also just so you know, I had to test how only because when you do a photo shoot, when you're doing frozen goods, you have very limited time. Like you got to set mm-hmm. everything up, and you have to be like, okay, it's starting to melt the moment you take it out. Yeah, a, f- a commercial ice cream sandwich after 27 minutes and 30 seconds was still completely really. <laughs> it was just sitting there like normal. That's weird. It did get I saw soft, that on your Instagram. I was confused but also delighted it's like one of those foods like a twinkie would be there like after the blast because it's really not ice cream (laughs) it's just like frozen fluff it's like a marshmallow frozen fluff marshmallow exactly you know that actually kind of reminds me of something opposite of what our topic is about today but also kind of the same so today we're near it's spring their blossoms are blossoming the The blossoms are with chlorophylls in the air people are singing songs of love everyone's sneezing coughing yeah People um, are like, oh, I got sick again. It's uh, the second coming of Christ is mm-hmm. upon us. And, you know, that means people eggs. That's right. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't think of a more natural transition <laughs> to talking about eggs. 
<laughs> eggs are a sign of rebirth, though. Sure. And the fertility. Spring, yep. Spring. They don't call it a spring chicken for nothing. That's true. Or right? a spring rabbit. Spring rabbit, spring lamb, spring chicken. You name yeah. it. Passover, Easter, Hanukkah, whatever you yeah. want. Spring is here. Hanukkah is in the winter. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. I, well, it just happened. Jews, I feel like remember I ha- what I told you last week. Breton is not a, not a friend of yours. <laughs> I told somebody last. I told this Jewish woman. I was like, oh, well, you know, I said I'd learn how to make a, a proper Hanukkah. I mean, Passover, mm. <laughs> Passover. Uh, meal last year. With, <laughs> oh yeah, with Zara. we we made a Passover meal. Yeah, that was it. fun. That's a, that's always a good one. Um, so eggs, Breton. What eggs. do you what do you have What do you have about eggs? Well, okay. Let me tell a little story, please. A few years back, I was obsessed with. Well, actually, not many years back, I was obsessed with Martha Stewart and her chickens. Oh which, yes. Um, I may or may not have seen. I don't know if this is public knowledge, but um, I have pictures of them. I may or may not. But have I seen love. Them also. I always wanted different colored eggs. Um, and I don't mean the Easter egg kind. I mean the kind that the chickens actually hatch uh, and or lay, rather. And so some of these ch- these hens, these chicks are, you know, Araucanas, Americanas. There's these different varieties. And honestly, the egg's the same. It's just the shell is different. Interesting. It's just due to the variety. Like brown eggs, white eggs, it's the same. People think brown eggs are, are healthier sometimes. Right. They're not. It's just the breed. Oh, that's interesting because I will say that I actually think that too. I'm like, ugh, a white egg. I think white bread. Well, I, exactly. I had a wonder. My favorite chicken, uh, whose name was Annabelle. Um, uh, yeah, what up, Annabelle? Annabelle. She was a Colombian. Uh, I think a Colombian Wyandotte. I think is how oh, it's pronounced. Anyway, she was gorgeous and had a. She was white and black and had like a <gasps> nice red beak. Classic. Uh, sweet as honey. <laughs> Seriously, it's sweet. She'd love to be held, love to be snuggled Aww. with. She's very, she's still alive. Oh, anyway, good. I got her years ago when I was in Denver, and she laid a really nice classic white egg with a wonderful yolk. Um, so, uh, that being said, eggs, there's all, besides, we all have them. I mean, he, women are carrying them as we speak. Testicles are eggs, too. Is that correct? Pretty much. It's an egg shape, at it's the very an egg least. Sh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different episode, but you're right. Come, <laughs> foreshadow. <laughs> not, not to be confused with foreskin. <laughs> so, yeah, so eggs. There's all kinds of things. You know that each a chicken egg has approximately six grams of protein? No. So if you make a nice four-egg omelet. Also, hold on. I'm going to stop you right here. Anybody that's listening right now that orders an egg white am- uh, omelet, go ahead. Turn this go podcast ahead, off. Go ahead, slap me. Damned be to you. It yeah. is the whole egg, and it is not going to give you high cholesterol it is actually much of the protein is also in the yolk and the nutrition. It's where the episode, it's the nucleus. It's of course it has all the nutrition. So just don't, don't separate your egg yolks unless you're doing it to make meringue and then ice cream with your yolks. Of course it's to me, someone who orders an egg white omelet is basically like ordering a grilled cheese without the cheese and you just want bread. So you just want bread. When I worked in the Hamptons last summer, when I was a private chef, of course, you know, think the Hamptons I'm not gonna diss because I'm giving up you know complaining but I was so surprised <laughs> just that give it up tomorrow they were trying to be thin and, and everybody had you know like oh can I have a seven egg white omelet <gasps> and there's all these cookbooks and nutritionists out there <laughs> and you know what shame on you Bretton Scott on Life's a Banquet Network is telling you to shame yourselves right now and I don't care. I'm very upset about this because the chickens deserve better. Absolutely. Also, seven egg whites is a obscene des- amount of protein. Your body deserves better. Fuck yeah. off. So anyway, 
did you know that you can eat all different kinds of eggs? You can eat pheasant eggs. You can eat turkey eggs. You can eat duck eggs. I love a duck egg. You love turkey eggs, though, too. Turkey eggs are just about... Check at your local farmer's market. If you're in New York City, there's a farm called Quattro Farms. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have wonderful turkey eggs that are coming right now. They're delicious, those and turkey eggs. I also wanted to mention... I know I'm kind of rambling on about eggs, but there's another That's woman... okay. Another woman... Uh, in New York City, well, she's actually in near Greenport in the North Fork, uh-huh. and she has a farm called Feisty Acres Farm, Ooh. and I'm going to be going there in May to do a little interview with her. Really? Well, I don't know if it's, the, we have to confirm a date, but I don't know if it's going to be filmed or just radio, or maybe I'll just go there and see what it's about. Okay. Um, but she, her name is Abra. And her name is Abra Morawicz. Morawicz. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's Polish. So go figure. Sure. Um, anyway, she started a farm a few years ago with her boyfriend. And she raises guinea fowl. And she has tons of quail eggs. And she's... That's awesome. Just this kind of young, like, kind of trend-setting poultry farmer. And I was like, oh, well, you know, she went to college. And she's like, you know what? I want to be a farmer instead. Yeah. She did... I don't know. She did something else before this. But... Um, That's amazing. She was in the Peace Corps. Anyway... So don't just think that chicken egg is the only egg you can eat could, or make. Could you eat an eagle's egg? Uh, absolutely. Bald, <laughs> bald eagle's egg specialty. <laughs> trending. Sir. Yeah, trending at the White, Ho- White Horse. How, the, the here White we are, Horse. Roberta's Pizza, the coolest restaurant in all of Brooklyn. And I see someone right in front of us right now eating a bald eagle egg omelet. Mm, delicious. So, What kind of egg did you just eat? I just had a chocolate peanut butter egg. I mean. So as we're coming up on Easter... We're all going to be cooking and Passover as well. Uh, Passover, do you guys do? <laughs> do you chosen people? Do, do you chosen ones? <laughs> what do you mean by you guys? <laughs> Go on. Now, mm-hmm. you- <laughs> choose your words wisely. I'm on air. Uh, <laughs> what I meant was, uh, does the Jewish culinary tradition do any kind of brunch for Passover, or is it strictly the dinner? No, it's. I right. believe there's a fast before. A fast, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I love how Christians... Or maybe Cal- that's Rosh Hashanah. You know what? I'm not really very religious, to be honest with you. I'm just saying it for the lakas and the mozzarella soup. Yeah, yeah. And the, the brisket. brisket exactly. Of course, the stuffed cabbage, the crepe lock, whatever. So as we're all getting ready, and if you're not Jewish or Catholic or any religion, you can still celebrate the wonderful food of Easter, Absolutely. which is delicious. Yeah. And, you know, you get your poached eggs. We've got our, you know, eggs Benedict and yeah. lots of quiches. And peeps. So, um... Before Zara starts her story, I'm going to just tell you a very quick and easy, uh, in case you're in a pinch and you have to go to somebody's Easter party, which I'm invited to one and I have to frantically Mm. come up with an idea, bring a quiche Mm -hmm. and start now. Start now while you're listening to this. Get a pie crust. You can even use puff pastry. Yes, I love puff pastry. Puff pastry is great. You can buy a frozen one. Dufour, D-U-F-O-U-R is a wonderful brand. And you can just thaw that out or make your puff pastry or you make your pie crust. Put it in the freezer right now. You know what? Email me. I'll make one for you. Give me 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Give me $492 and it's yours. Breton's uh, quiche train. And then you can even freeze and parbake your thing. So when the morning comes, you whip up an egg mixture. And I, I used to freak out. I was like, oh my God, is it five eggs to two cups milk? Is it? It varies. I mean, the thing is, if you want a thicker, kind of more dense quiche, you would use more eggs. Mm. If you used 12 eggs and one cup of milk, it's still going to turn out. Yeah. Uh, you just have to use enough eggs, which I would say the minimum is five or six, right? I mean, for a full-on quiche, you need a dozen eggs, really. I use six, actually. Oh, really? For a lovely... For like, what size quiche? 
Uh, those big thick ones I make, like a 10-inch. Six eggs? Mm-hmm. Really? It's really custardy. Jeez, wow. But you have to make sure it's thoroughly cooked. So oh. just remember, when you're making an egg quiche dish, you don't even, you could even, like, put it in a sheet pan. You could put it in a 9 by oh, 11 yeah. glass dish. There's no rules. And you just, it's supposed to be kind of this rustic thing. And you can throw whatever you want. Smoked salmon, dill, parsley, onions. An uh, old shoe. Caramel, yes. An old shoe. Shoelaces. <laughs> peanut butter eggs. <laughs> <A> toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> a pizza, another quiche that you found. Just put it in the other quiche. Actually, I did that recently. We were making um, a tortilla espanol. Um, the tortilla that I was making like wasn't working out, so I made more. I put it in another tortilla. Mm-hmm. It yeah. had it had to be bigger. That was the problem, actually. So I made like more tortillas, set the one I already had inside it, and baked the whole thing together. And it turned out beautifully. Exactly. That's yep. the beauty of eggs. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break, and we come back some more excellent content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Diane Stemple. And I'm Elena Santagade. And we're the hosts of Cutting the Curd here on Heritage Radio Network. Featuring interviews with makers and mongers and everybody in between, this show is a downright funky look at the world of artisan cheese. You can find Cutting the Curd wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. My name is Brandon Hoy co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Oh, my God. Did you know, Zara, that an egg has all of the nine essential amino acids? Which no, are I don't these, even know what an amino acid is. Well, they help you build muscle when you're pumping iron oh How's that i sound? know about that because i am full of iron exactly now i want i want to hear what's going on with your egg story okay well first i'm going to start with a joke because that seems to be something i'm getting into doing it's natural my, born comedian over it's here. my thing mm-hmm. i'm practicing to be a, fa- a famous stand-up um so breton why can't you tease an egg mm, i don't know oh, why not because it can't take a yolk that's a bad one but i have to tell you there was no good egg jokes on the internet so that's the best i could do so today i want to kind of talk to you about some famous eggs and i'm going to focus on one of the most famous eggs of all time but first i'm just going to tap into or should we say crack into a couple (laughs) other famous eggs in history just briefly. I'm so excited. Is it is one going to be the famous painted Ukrainian eggs? Um, uh, that's actually my... on part two, oh, okay, which you sorry. have to subscribe to. Hold it costs $10,000 an episode. Um, <laughs> so one of the most famous eggs, and this one is near and dear to my heart because I was this in a school play of Alice uh, in Wonderland in the sixth grade. My mom made me my costume. A wonderful age. Coming uh, of age. I think it really scarred me for life and made me feel like a complete idiot throughout my young years but anyway Humpty Dumpty I know your therapist told me that they should not have (laughs) young girls play Humpty Dumpty I'm sorry like I was also like slightly chubby and they're like you could be Humpty Dumpty you ding dong I mean (laughs) but I want to be cast as the beautiful princess that comes like "Mm, how about Humpty Dumpty I want to be Alice no I think you're more of a Humpty Dumpty really Um, <laughs> my mom made hey, me. Co- pay fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> my mom made me a costume out of hula hoops and a trash bag. Um, <laughs> That's where you get it from. So, as we all know, <laughs> the rhyme: Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. 
Humpty Dumpty had a good fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And I always kind of wondered what that was about. And I was actually going to do my story in Humpty Dumpty. And I realized that it wasn't as profound or prolific as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. As but, most things in life are. Right. Humpty Dumpty really was like a mean way of referring to a round, kind of fat, ugly British person back in the day. And then it appeared in Alice Through the Looking Glass. And then really it was meant to uh, symbolize a canon in the mid 1600s in Clawchester. So they called Humpty Dumpty a cannon. I was like, we can't do the story about that. Then I was like, you know what? I'm also interested in why in I'm the walrus, uh, who is the Eggman in the, oh be- in the famous I, Beatles song. Suddenly I'm, suddenly I'm obsessed. Who, I know. Who was it? So in Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass, John Lennon, it, he was said to be one of his favorite books in his youth. Um, uh, Lennon, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he was obsessed with the Wallace and the Carpenter story. Uh, and then he was obsessed with the Eggman that was in there, who was referring to Humpty Dumpty, coming back to our original piece. Um, and so a lot of people thought that was the Eggman. It was meant to exemplify Humpty Dumpty. However, mm-hmm. the real Eggman was actually singer Eric Burden. Do you know Eric Burden? I do not. Um, he was a popular singer in the 1970s. Um, but anyway, so... Do we know, is there a famous song that we can... Yes. Spill the wine, get that girl. Spill Are... the wine, yeah. that girl. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. It's a really famous song. Um, so anyway... Love it, my favorite. Apparently, he was called the Eggman because, quote, he was dating a Jamaican woman at one point. She slid up beside... He says, she slid up beside me and slipped uh, amyl nitrate capsule under his nose as the fumes began to set his brain alight... And he slid onto the those kitchen are, floor. Sorry, everybody, just so you know, uh, in street terms, those are called poppers. Exactly. A.K.A. VHS cleaner. <laughs> she re- <laughs> and if you don't know what poppers are, it's what gay men use when they, before they have an orgasm. Right. So anyway, that's what this woman did to him, to Eric Burden. Or straight um, people. She reached around the counter, grabbed an egg, which she cracked into the pit of his belly. Um, and then they had sex. And so he tells this to John Lennon. Long story short, he, start, he, he says, I shared the story of John at a party at a Mayfair flat one night with a handful of blondes and a little Asian girl. And then John Lennon goes, go get him, Eggman. <laughs> By the way, this was before the Me Too movement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but also, you know what? They might have had fun. And that's pretty, I have to say, I've done some wacky stuff. I've never had a cracked egg in my belly button while on poppers. While on poppers, while having sex. With, in an orgy. But Eric Burden has, and John Lennon really liked it, and that's why the Eggman exists in the song I Am the Walrus. Would you like, I'm still living off the royalties. <laughs> <laughs> so the Easter egg itself, which I was also interested in, has pagan roots. Um, before Christians celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, some argue that the ancient pagans in Europe observed the spring equinox as the return of the sun god, which is also kind of ties back to the Beatles. Yeah. It's am, all yeah. connected. Oh, the Beatles. They are more profound than we thought. <laughs> the Beatles are bigger than Jesus and bigger than wrestling and yeah. bigger than the Beatles and bigger than breast implants. Um, okay, so anyway, but the spring equinox is always supposed to be about a rebirth of light and emergence uh, from the light from the winter into the light. Um, so people started dying Easter eggs, the Christians, red to symbolize blood, the blood of blood, Jesus. you're right. And that's where that kind of took off. So, so this year, I'm oh, skip the pastels. Skip go the, for red. I am sorry, Martha Stewart, you and your natural del- dyed eggs. Like, oh, onion skins for brown. <laughs> blueberries for blue. No, 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 no. Cattle blood, blood yeah. for Jesus and his, his sacrifices. Get yourself a quart of pig's blood. And- <laughs> 
So the most interesting famous egg, though, I think, and the most glamorous, the most glamorous egg, and the egg that I think uh, exemplifies uh, opulence and all things that we talk about on the show, highs, lows, murder, tragedy, fame, fortune, is Fabergé. <laughs> now I'm going to give you th- what? Just absolutely all. <laughs> oh, the ever sinister. Does great. anyone, just a quick side note, but does anyone remember in, I believe it was Risky Business, starring Tom Cruise? Yeah. Where at the very end, his, if you've ever seen the movie, well, I don't want to give away the movie, but I will right now. Spoiler It's been alert. out for like 40 years. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, I just rewatched it two <laughs> weeks ago. But she s- steals the Fabergé egg, mm-hmm. and it was his mom's prized possession. So they had to f- find a way to bring it back, and, they f- and it was all about the Fabergé egg. Exactly. And there's also Fabergé egg reference in my favorite movie ever, Serial Mom. But mm-hmm. that's a Franklin Mint Fabergé. So today I'm going to talk about the history of real Fabergé eggs and more importantly, the imperial Fabergé eggs, which were originally created for... Are you familiar with the Romanovs? The The the, television show? No, that's the Romanovs. Oh. The Romanovs (laughs) were uh, an imperial Russian family that uh, ruled in Russia for like hundreds of years. So the Romanov family... I, I can't get into the whole history of it right now, but basically... Uh, Tsar Nicholas's father uh, was the first one to get a Fabergé egg for his wife. And then when he died, Tsar Nicholas took over. Now, Tsar Nicholas was also... Was this his Rasputin? Rasputin Rasputin was was involved with the family, too, because Tsar Nicholas's son was a hemophiliac. And Rasputin Rasputin, uh, came to help the family initially, and he allegedly cured him of his hemophilia. And then eventually, when he died, he got his... Penis For cut the off. First time. His magic penis cut off, and it's in a jar somewhere. Um, but anyway, on one tragic night, on July sixteenth mm. in nineteen eighteen, the entire Romanov family at the time, Tsar Nicholas, his wife Tsarina Alexandra, and their five children were all brutally murdered. Yes, I do recall this story. Now the uh, Fabergé, uh, Peter Carl Fabergé, had started creating Fabergé eggs for. This for the Romanov family. For the family. Exactly. We must have the most glamorous. Well, exactly. Actually, like a hundred years before, uh, in like eighteen eighty-five. So not quite a hundred years before, about fifty years before, mm-hmm. he started creating these gorgeous, beautiful Fabergé eggs, and he created about fifty of them. What can I ask? Maybe yeah. this is a not a, a smart question, but where? What are they made out of? They're made out of different materials, like glass, glass and, and different kinds. Okay. Yeah, gold. Maybe some type of stone or something. I don't Probably. know. Probably. They're very intricate. I mean, so really, there's okay. only there was only ever, they say, somewhere between 50 and 54 imperial Fabergé eggs. Oh, my God. So I would love to get my... I know. I mean, they're I all... I'd love to make an omelet out of one of those. <laughs> they're all in Russia, except one was somehow at a treasure, like at a thrift sale. And some, oh like... Oh, my God. I want to... F- Find in it. some podunk place and this guy bought it for like 20 bucks and it's worth seven million dollars and there's still no they wouldn't release who it was and this was like several years ago but was he on the show on the pbs show i don't know but he's a lucky guy um and so anyway Roche, like what do you think this Fabergé eggs work but like oh my god that is it that is worth seven million that is from the roman there's romanov yeah. blood on there <laughs> um <clears throat> oh so there was like diamonds in them uh, emeralds and pearls all kinds of stuff um, so when they, when they were killed on July 16th, 1918, um, they were taken over by the, uh, Bolsheviks and the Bolsheviks were led by Lenin and then eventually Stalin after that. And so they took over the Romanov rule. 
Um, they took all of the art and they took followed by Trump, followed by and, Donald Trump. Exactly. And now <laughs> Trump has all of the eggs up his butt. Um, so anyway, they took all of like all of the Russian art and all of the eggs. And then oddly, Armin Hammer, Armand Hammer, who eventually went to go work for Armin Hammer. <laughs> this is not you. Yes. You can't write this. Folks, he went so. to go work for Armin Hammer, but his name was Armand Hammer. So Armand Hammer went to work for. And he was a capitalist <laughs> disguising himself as a communist, and he bought up a bunch of the eggs. Isn't wow. that insane? Now, that's a smart... I know. It's really crazy. But now most of them are back in Russia. Um, a Russian billionaire bought them for, like, I think most of them for, like, $100 million way above market value, just they so they could like all, all be... eggs, please. He wanted them to all be in Russia. They feel very, like, well, serious yeah, they... about Russian things being in Russia. But a Rightfully little, so. A little bit about Peter Carl Fabergé. Um, he was also his life was in danger when the Romanovs were taken over by the Bolsheviks because they were so had such a close relationship. So he was exiled, I think, to Switzerland or Sweden. Um, but he had like this really amazing company. Uh, two of his chief designers, he was really ahead of his time. Two of his chief designers were women. Um, all of the workmasters, as they were called, were in charge of uh, recruiting and personally yeah, training awesome. their own teams of artisans, and they were allowed to set their own schedules, which. Uh, like think about this in like communist Russia. Oh my god! Be like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of a morning. I'm kind of a, a night person. He started startup culture. There was probably dogs Start- running around the office too. St- <laughs> oh my god, that's our that's our house dogs, <laughs> um, Zoe. She loves. Oh my god, she loves her toy. <laughs> he, uh, Fabergé ran the house of Fabergé in an early prototype of industrial democracy, uh, despite living under one of the world's tightest uh, autocracies. And he was, although he was privy to some of the wealthiest circles in Russia. Um, he worked with mostly illiterate people, poor people, and gave them total free reign artistically. Um, and he was just basically a really amazing, kind, wonderful person to work for. And that is the he story of the Fabergé egg. That is a wonderful story, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, it's kind of an abridged version because to get into it would have to really dig deep into the history of the Romanovs and into yeah, communism and into the Bolsheviks. You can Stalin check out our series Lenin. on Netflix. It's coming out. Actually, I would like to suggest, uh, I don't remember what episode it is, but My Favorite Murder has a great episode about uh, the Romanovs and it is really fascinating. And, yeah. and I got a lot of my information for this from a podcast called Art History Babes. On their episode they just did on Fabergé eggs, and it's really good. That's a fun podcast, too. Well, download that immediately. Yeah, it's really <laughs> After good. hours, of course. Of course. Please, finish listening to all our episodes. Because we have some... <laughs> don't forget our top three in Chef Recommends coming up. Exactly. We're right food history babes. Now. <laughs> so, for Chef Recommends this week, I want to ask you a question. Oh, yeah. We haven't discussed this, but I love surprises. What are some of, um, some of, what are some of your favorite ways to use eggs where they're not, like, the main attraction where they're very featured but they're not necessarily like a quiche or something like that like how do you like to use eggs most as like a side a great side player okay funny you should mention this because besides the obvious where breakfast right eggs or perhaps deviled eggs like that's a really common thing and all over the internet right now trending both food and wine and bon Bon appetit magazine simultaneously and like every other food blogger simultaneously Mm -hmm. within Four days of each other all came out with the same recipe. I know. Which was jammy eggs. Like, oh, skip the making deviled eggs. Just put everything. In. It's a great idea. Of course. Whoever thought of it, or maybe everybody thought of it at the same time. They say that happens. Uh, it's a great idea. It's kind of like, just skip the middleman and like just put the stuff on it. The Romans thought of it. The Romans thought of it first. Like right. in AD times. And AKA, Zara, you did it at Percy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get it um, out there. By the Romans, I mean me, bitches. Like you did it in 2012. <laughs> 
You did in 2012. Okay, so uh-huh. besides that, you asked me the question, and I'll answer it right now. Uh, one of my favorite kind of fun little things to do with eggs mm-hmm. is I take a hard-boiled egg, um, and on a topping of, say, like a crostini or something, Yeah. or even, let's say you want to make a little crostini, maybe some avocado, or maybe a little piece of salmon, and I grate the egg. I think they call that <gasps> egg mimosa. Yeah, it's an old technique. So a lot of people there. People have been doing it. I've noticed. A That's long a time good ago. thing to do with. I egg. got that. I worked at a French Moroccan restaurant in nineteen like ninety eight. Okay, and the owner was picture it. Picture it. Nineteen ninety eight. What'd we your were, hair look like? Yeah, the same. <laughs> I just got bleached. I just got nineties hair again. I was like, it's the same. I've never grown up. Anyway. Uh, the owner used to take the egg, you know, hard-boiled egg, and mm-hmm. on the very fine part of your cheese grater, uh, not the microplane. Well, you can use the microplane mm-hmm. if you'd like, but a very fine grate works the best. And you want to have a really nice, firm, hard-boiled egg. You can grate that, and it's the most delicate, fluffy, uh, melt-in-your-mouth mm-hmm. little topping. And also, people kind of don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, is that shredded? And you can even take the whites out separately, so... I think right when we did our blini or when we did our caviar episode, mm-hmm. if you do if you make a caviar plate, I think actually Russians do that. It's very common where you would grate the egg and the yolk separately, and you can mm-hmm. spoon that delicate delicate mixture it's on delicious. top of a, a blini with you know or a crostini for example. Um, so that's one of my favorite. That's cool. Uh, kind of like off the beaten path. You know, kind of like shock your yep. neighbors, shock your family in Easter. <laughs> shock all the people who are like, allergic to eggs and yeah. think you're, they're, you're giving them like Parmesan cheese. <laughs> Is that Parmesan cheese? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're allergic to albumin? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> ah, she's mm. sick. <laughs> my favorite is <laughs> well ugh, my favorite thing to do with an egg that it's kind of unexpected is thickening stuff with eggs that you wouldn't think. So. Unexpected? Unexpected. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Go uh, One of the most unexpected I know where you're I going like with this. I know where you're going with this. I love, particularly, an avocado soup. Yes. Avocado soup is my favorite, favorite soup. All right, soup. so tell everybody what this is. Well, it's interesting because you don't see this a lot in soups. You see it in other things. It's basically the method of tempering an egg into something to thicken it. Just like, like, a cu- like if you were making a custard, exactly, right? Exactly. Creme anglaise, anything else, except you're applying it in a savory way. I mean... Similar thing. Egg drop soup. Uh, right, but it's not really an egg drop soup because then an egg oh, drop soup is dropping, it. dropping and it's like... It's, it's different. Pea-seed. You're right, you're right. Um, but avocado lemon is great. It's a chicken lemon soup It's a, uh, with rice. It's a Greek soup and you thicken it with uh, some eggs that you just temper in. But it's it has this like amazing, creamy, beautiful yeah. thing that you would never expect. And it's just from the power of the incredible edible egg. Well, this <laughs> reminds me, a long time ago we did a Fanny Craddock episode okay so just a brief you can go and check in our on our feed Mm -hmm. on spotify itunes whatever you can go back fanny craddock was a british uh celebrity chef from the 1950s Mm -hmm. 60s 70s and she used to do live shows live cooking demos with tuxedos and formal like she did it in (laughs) in the uk and one of her tricks she would warm up a sherry or a port and then throw Uh an egg yolk in it or an egg and then whisk it and warm it and then it would be this beautiful creamy sherry soup like yeah which sounds at first i was like "Mm, that's weird and i did it and it's incredible did you put salt in it though yeah okay good because i'm thinking like unsalted or flavored you could do some chicken you know same kind of thing it's like yeah or you could make an avocado 
Abba. 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 Galemino. Abba Galemino. Yes. I also love uh, Hollandaise, of course. Who doesn't love Hollandaise this time of year or any time of year or on top of your biscuit or on top of your... Oh, Marona. You know what? I made a Hollandaise the other day and I had to do it really quick. Mm -hmm. So you know what I did, folks? Everybody makes you think that making a Hollandaise is so hard. It seems like the most challenging thing ever to do. Blender Holidays, right? Blender Holidays. Although I didn't even just use a blender. I used... um, what do you call it? A stick blender. No, no, the uh, the magic bullet. Ma- not not to be confused with the magic rabbit. Exactly, <laughs> which is a vibrator, yeah, which, which I is, also use yeah. to make hollandaise. I accidentally ran to the bedside, <laughs> to the bedside table, I grabbed stop- the magic <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> I stopped massaging my face with it after my hangover, and I put it in the hollandaise. Yeah. Hope you guys all enjoyed that. Um, no, I use the magic bullet, and the thing is, even with blender hollandaise, you know, you're meant to think that you have to drizzle it in really slowly, otherwise you're going to curdle the egg. I just did it quickly. I put a little bit in at a time. Did you clarify your butter? No. Right? So you just, okay, folks, here it, it is. Really quickly, ready? You take a blender. <laughs> you take a blender. You take some egg yolks, maybe a touch of lemon juice, right? Yeah. Or some vinegar if you don't mm-hmm. have that. Improvise. You got to have some kind of acid. Not that kind of acid. Yeah. And <laughs> not, not the kind of, not the little smiley face stamp that you put under your child's tongue. No, a different kind. And then you just put melted butter in and you blunt, you make, it's butter mayonnaise. It's butter mayonnaise. Butter mayonnaise. And it's delicious. My but mouth the key is, is you have to keep it warm. That's the only Oh yeah, key. you have to keep it warm. And I have another tip actually. If you Pro are, tip. if you want to make your hollandaise ahead of time and then you keep it, let's say in a container and you put it in a water bath, sometimes when it comes back up to temperature, it's going to, um, separate a little bit all you need to do is put a tiny drizzle of water in there and shake it up and it comes back together immediately well, how well how about that little yeah. tricks in the trade yeah tricks in the trade Breton. yes can i ask you a question absolutely <laughs> hold on let me have uh let me have uh, my 11th peanut butter egg i ate four but they're small they're tiny ones that's what she said okay go ahead <laughs> um i want to know what your top three favorite egg dishes are where egg is the star okay Starring eggs, ready, go. Number three, well, I guess I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say a quiche. Yeah. I know you would think that's number one, but it's so ubiquitous that... I don't I make get, assumptions about you. Yeah, yeah. You're it, a wild card. Also, it'll change. It already changed. <laughs> Sorry, it changed number one. No, <laughs> number three. Strike that. Reverse it. Check it. I really won't get it. So, uh, Akish, uh, number two is I love... Uh, I love an egg. Does this, does this count? Like an eggy custard. Everything counts. And by the way, an eggy custard, I mean, there's this Chinese dim sum delicacy. Mm. Um, I don't know the name in Chinese, but it is... A, sometimes it's a salted egg custard Mm -hmm. and they take and it's like or it's called flowing sand egg custard is how it translates the pronunciation is spot on flowing (laughs) egg sand custard and it's this kind of wonderfully textured cooked eggs it's almost a slightly savory and they make it inside of a puffed you know dumpling or um like a raised dumpling dough and then it is steamed and then so when you bite into (gasps) it the flowing sand egg yolk which it has this it's like sugary, salty, right? Oh my god, that sounds so good. Yeah, yeah, they they've been more popular. I've noticed around dim sum restaurants in New York City, I'm sure in San Francisco. And if you don't live on the coast, well, I feel bad. Uh, <laughs> but you can, that's why you listen to our podcast. <laughs> Come visit us; we're here for you. Uh, and then finally, number one, I'd be a fool to say that if I just like I know this is the sounds silly, but I love a soft boiled egg. Me just, too. And it's all of its simplicity. Perfect. Like. You know, take the egg directly from your chicken's fallopian tubes, and you just take mm. it and you mm. 
mm. and you do they call it sometimes like a six minute egg mm-hmm. you can either boil it i steam my eggs because i think the shells come off easier hello um that's a good tip but too. as you you know yeah it's a, there's a thing google it look at um sarah milton talks about steaming eggs and you simply put eggs in a steamer basket for 11 minutes for hard boiled or 12 minutes you know and then six seven minutes for soft boiled yeah so i just love an egg a soft boiled egg I love yeah. I love eggs too. So. All right, ready? I'm I'm here. I'm I'm here for. I'm here to listen. <laughs> okay, let me just get right into this. So my number three is a perfect French omelet. Oh, it's, a uh, perfect French. I know omelet. take box. I can't take it a back. perfect French omelet with some Boursin cheese and some finely minced chives and a perfect French omelet. Everybody is has zero brown on the outside. It's very simple. You cook it low and slow. As exactly. They say. You kind of scramble it in the pan and then you fold it over and it's very melty on the inside mm, yes. with some Boursin cheese. It's absolutely perfect. Divine. And delicious. So divine. Um, number two is probably a Dutch baby. Dutch baby, Dutch, Dutch baby. baby. That's a Bruce Springsteen song. Come on, into Dutch baby. We're both doing two different things. I'm doing Springsteen. You're doing Beaker from the Muppets. No, I was speaking Dutch. <laughs> oh. Hello, I have a Dutch. Oh, were uh, you being a Dutch baby? I have a Dutch sister. You have literally a Dutch baby yeah, in your family. Yeah, I have a Dutch baby nephew. Yeah, and niece. She's just quiet. two Dutch babies. She's not speaking it. We're not talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> Only because she's actually not talking it. <laughs> All right, number one. I love well, I love a Dutch baby, either savory or sweet, um, particularly savory. And it's really good. It's like a basically a thick crepe, and you can kind of just like roll it up. It's really great. Number one. Here we go. Always and forever and ever and ever and ever. Carbonara. That's a good one. Carbonara. All over the internet in 2018. Pasta with egg yolk, guanciale. It's the best. And whatever. And, and pecorino cheese. You've been to Rome. You agree. They used to call me Zara Carbonara. Zara Carbonara, because you, the egg yolk is the sauce. Yeah, it's delicious. It's and absolutely pasta water. Too. Pasta water, pecorino, pecorino cheese butter, and guanciale. Um, and you can like mix it up and have fun with it. You could use we used to use bacon sometimes at Brucey. Sometimes I'd throw in a handful of cabbage cloth on cheddar. But the traditional way to make it: pasta water, bucatini. Uh, and then you throw in some uh, really finely grated pecorino cheese, top that. I thought it was spaghetti carbonara. With an egg yolk, bucatini or spaghetti. Uh, Both actually in uh, Rome, it's you're right. bucatini. You're right, you're right. Which is where carbonara is from. Um, great. Well, listen, you've heard your number ones. Uh, we're about to leave and steam a bunch of eggs. We're going to get the hell out of here. Uh, so listen, if you have any questions, again, email us at lifesabanquetshow at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at lifesabanquetpodcast. Mm-hmm. Send us a message. We love hearing all of your thoughts and recipes and comments and yeah. concerns and, and hate mail. We love it. No, thank you for your emails. I want to read an email next week on the show because we've been getting a lot and I always forget to print one out and bring it in. Um, I just want to mention out there to you, all you guys who are grossed out by the little part that connects the egg yolk and the egg white, I'm with you. The, the it is thingamadoodle. Disgu- yeah. It is disgusting. I, I let it. I I save them and eat them. Bread collects yeah, them I and collect them. makes and, a dish out of them. Yeah. Um. But thank you very much. This was an excellent episode. And if you're looking forward to Jesus coming back, uh, have a great He'll time. Be here soon. Hell yeah, he's Bye. almost here. Ciao. Bye. Hasta uh, pasta. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.